Hello everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of AOE Legends, a podcast where we interview pro players and people from the Age of Empires community. You can find us on Spotify, you can also find us on YouTube under the channel name AOE Legends, and you can support our channel by liking our videos, watching them, and subscribing to our channel. My name is Ramon, and in the Age of Empires 2 game, I go under the pseudonym The Yellow Wall. Uh, so today, we have a very special guest. He is a Canadian AOE Pro player, he streams on Twitch, and he also has two YouTube channels, one of them which has 11,000 subscribers. He's 29 years old, he also plays the piano and has a cat. Uh, he's legend of the game, so please welcome Survivalist to our channel. Hello, hi, how's it going? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah, it's going great. It's still the morning here, so I'm still waking up, but uh, yeah, excited to do this interview. That's great. Nice to meet you, and you know, I'm very thankful that you agreed to do this because it's uh, well our first episode, and I couldn't be more than happy to have you because I I watch your videos and I know you're a very easygoing person and all-rounded individual, so. It's really nice to have you today. Yeah, much appreciated. It's great to be here. So did I miss anything in your introduction? Would you like to add anything about yourself? Uh, I mean, yeah, you pretty much got the main points. Uh, I would say that in addition to playing AoE and uh, doing all the piano stuff, I do uh, make sure to do lots of fitness, you know, running, stuff like that. I'm also studying Japanese as well. So a few more things going on, but uh, yeah, I mean, AOE, piano, those are the main things you're going to be seeing on stream. Nice. That's great. And uh, so you live, you live in Canada. I live in Canada too. I don't, I hadn't mentioned that, but I live in Ottawa and, but I'm from Central America. I just, I moved here a while back. Uh, so whereabouts in Canada do you live? Yeah, uh, so I'm in Victoria, BC on Vancouver Island, so it's pretty close to Vancouver. I mean, for all the international viewers, you all know where Vancouver is. Um, it's pretty close. I have to take a ferry ride to get here, but, uh, well, from Vancouver, but yeah, uh, it, it's like, a, it's not a big city, but it is the capital of BC, so it's an important city. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, so did you always live there or like, did you eventually move there from somewhere else? Yeah, I was born in Burnaby, which is a place near Vancouver, uh, but I moved here when I was like six months old. So yeah, I've been here pretty much my entire life. Nice, nice. And uh, so what, what did you do? Did you do uh, any school or any work before you got into uh, Age, of, Age of Empire streaming? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I completed high school. <laughs> I, nice. I even took a grade 13 because, you know, um, the, you can take an extra year here. It's just free education. And so what I did was here there, you take four classes per semester. And so I would take band, PE and programming and then have a spare uh, both semesters. It was it was the greatest year ever. So, yeah, I took an extra year of high school and then, uh, yeah, I never went to college or university or anything. I just kind of uh, worked part time doing retail and working in a restaurant, stuff like this. And meanwhile, since I was working part-time, I had lots of time to improve my Age of Empire skills, and here we are. Yeah, and I mean, now you're basically a content creator, and you have successful streaming and YouTube channels, so I guess this is kind of like now your full-time thing now. Yeah, 
yeah, this is what I do full time. Um, yeah, I guess it's not, it's basically, yeah, streaming, YouTube, I do coaching as well. Sometimes I do offline coaching for people, but it's usually online. But uh, yeah, even when I'm not on the computer, I'll be writing my scripts. Like I'll go to the lake and I'll use pen and paper, write the scripts there, and then do all the voice recording and all this stuff at home. But it's really nice to be able to get out uh, away from the computer, but still be working. Yeah, and I mean, you you have a beautiful landscape too. So <laughs> I know uh, BC, it's, it's a beautiful place and you have great weather too. A bit rainy, but like not as snowy as it can get here in Ottawa. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. Um actually most winters we don't even get snow. So it'll get cold, it'll get like one degree or so, but uh even zero, but uh yeah, the snow doesn't really come too much. And even in the summertime, like we'll get two months of no rain in the summertime, so it, it's pretty nice. Do you ever go uh to do any winter sports or anything like that with your friends or by yourself? Yeah, uh if you just travel like 250 kilometers up the island, um, just a little bit north, then then they get snow. So it's really just at the southern tip of the island, which is where I live, where we don't get snow. So uh, it's a short drive just to go to, to the snowy mountain, Mount Washington, and they've got chairlifts and stuff like that. So yeah, you can go skiing, all that kind of stuff. I'm more into hiking these days. Like uh, there's lots of trails there, stuff like that. So even in the wintertime, I'll, I'll just go hiking, walk along the, the frozen lakes and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to spend your free time. Here we don't have as many like super close parks. I guess the closest will be Gatineau Park. Uh, but it is always nice to take a little uh, shuttle there and just go out for the day hike too. Mm -hmm. um, so the coaching you just mentioned that you do that now offline and online. How does how does how's that going? Like, do you really like it? What got you into coaching? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, my entire channel has been centered around improving at Age of Empires. So it was only natural that I'd start to offer co coaching just as people would ask. They want to get one on one coaching. And uh, I was always like, yeah, I don't really do that for like a year and a half. But then I just always got questions and people are willing to pay money. So I'm like, yeah, OK, well, I'm going to set up a plan how to do this, figure out how to coach people and then um, so now, now I'm just doing it and yeah, I don't need to have too many people who want coaching. Cause if I do too many, then it just gets a little bit overwhelming, but, uh, you know, one or two people per month or whatever, just do like three sessions. Cause they're like three hour long sessions. They're, they're pretty long. Um, and what I do is I go through three replays of somebody. So I get a good idea for their play style uh, the similar mistakes that they're making throughout each game. And then we work on those and based on their skill level, based on what they're good at, we might be working on certain things. Uh, like if they're bad at macroing, we're going to be focusing on macroing. Uh, usually that's the issue. Or if they're, if they're like middle 1500 or something, then maybe we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the strategy. It kind of depends on, on the person. So I tailor the coaching towards the coachee. So that's the goal. Nice. And so do, do people like come back once they improve? Like, do they kind of like just do their own thing or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a slow process for, for the coaching, but a lot, most of the people, they, they're kind of still in the community. They, they get the coaching and they, they're still playing. So, uh, yeah. Um, I would have to take a look at how much people have really improved there. Some people come back and be like, oh, I've improved this much, but it's usually, I mean, it still takes a while. Even with coaching, it still takes a while to really improve at the game. 
Um, yeah. So, anyways. What, what do you find it's one of the, I guess, the most, uh, uh, one of the things that people are more reluctant to change, uh, you know, they, on average, that you find from the people you coach? Uh, pro probably just setting up your hotkeys. It's like such a huh. simple thing. There's so many people who just like, they've been playing for so many years without hotkeys. They just don't want to set them up. But like, it, if it takes you two seconds to make a villager and it takes me like 50 milliseconds, like obviously it's so much better. So uh, yeah, just set up your hotkeys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember I, I, that's one of the first things I did because um, I remember uh, when I was starting to play again because I, I played the game as a kid, but then really I didn't even know there was an online community. Uh, being from Central America, it's not like we had high-speed internet and then like being able to like go into lobbies and things like that. It was just offline gaming. Uh, so you could play against your friends, but there was no way to improve. And now in 2020-ish is when I started to play again. And one of the first things I did was that, was setting up my hotkeys. I watched a lot of people of like their recommendations of what not to change. They said like, don't overcomplicate them either to the point where you won't find your stuff. But it was definitely yeah. useful. It definitely helped. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're easy to reach, you'll just build up muscle memory eventually. It doesn't really matter too much exactly where the hockeys are as long as, um, yeah, they're not too complicated. They make sense. Um, the default HD ones are pretty good. Just the grid is fine for, for a lot of things. And then DE added the upgrade hotkeys. So that's the thing. So even... Anybody who was playing before DE never used hotkeys for upgrades. And so that was something that even the pros had to learn um, is just setting an upgrade hotkey. So even aging up, making loom, all this stuff, we would have to click it because in HD and before, they just didn't have upgrade hotkeys. So, yeah. It's funny um, you mentioned that because I've seen some, some pro players still going to click some upgrades, probably yeah. from the muscle, mem muscle memory. They just don't want to change. It's obviously better to set a hotkey, but they just don't want to change. So, I mean, you can still get high level without having all the hotkeys, but eh, it yeah. is better. <laughs> and uh, you also built an app, uh, or well, I mean, it's a website too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, it's an app application, all the same thing. It's it's a website, whatever. Uh, yeah. So the Heroku app, it's Heroku is just the web uh hosting platform they had a free service for a while but then too many people started visiting the site so i had to start paying but eh, that's a good thing i guess <laughs> uh so uh it's not too expensive but yeah as i mentioned earlier in grade 13 i took some programming courses just in high school and then i am mostly self-taught it was just really basic stuff so yeah i learned to program i always wanted to maybe make a video game or something like that before i got into streaming so that was that was sort of my goal so I had a lot of programming projects on the go and stuff like that. But then um, I just had this idea to make this this uh, villagers on or how many villagers you need to constantly maintain production thing. And I was like, OK, well, I'm just going to make this because I know how to do it. It's just going to take a bit of time. So then I just made it and then uploaded it. I didn't really have a big channel at the time. I think actually, when did I make it? I might have made the app before before I started doing YouTube stuff, or maybe it was like right at the start. I think it was just when COVID started, so I just had a lot of time to do a lot of stuff. So um, yeah, I was starting up the YouTube and making this app and, and all that. 
Uh, but yeah, just for people who don't know, this this application, it allows you to calculate the number of villagers you need to maintain constant production. So say that you want to maintain night production, you're going to see that you need six on food and around seven on gold. So you can check out these numbers so that you can have a really good idea of how to balance your economy based on the strategy that you're doing. And it will allow you to more easily tech switch between um, between units. So say that you could go, you're, say that you're on one range archers and you're like, you're making, you're making archers, but then suddenly you want to make skirmishers. It's like, um, you know, you know to take off gold, but uh, it, it'll give you more accurate idea of how to do it that's not really the greatest example maybe it's like switching from archers to knights it'll tell you how many farmers you need to support the knights like stuff like that Anyways. yeah but i see how it can be very useful because sometimes you're playing a game where you win archers on feudal and then you want to text switch to knights or something like that on on castle you can't uh sorry the other way around you won't be able to like have that many farms if you started with scouts and then you're going to go to archers i've seen a lot of people just let some of the farms expire and then move those people to to gold uh, yeah exactly the whole point of the app isn't to tell you what to do it's to help you um you come up with your own strategy and then it's to help you with the eco management part so it like the app itself isn't going to do anything unless you are thinking and you're understanding the the values that it's actually giving you so yeah do you still have to support the app in any way or is it just built yeah. out there Anytime that they add a patch, I have to update it with the new balance or whatever. So it, it, yeah, anytime they add in new sieves as well, I enter all the data, stuff like that. So yeah, there's another page on the app that's a little bit less known, but it, there's a simplified tech tree as well. So I have every single sieve. I've written a little description of the sieve. And then it also, I've also rated all of their units. So like uh, C rank or A rank or whatever. So you can get a good idea. It's all printable on one page as well. So anybody who has a printer who wants to have like a physical copy of something, you can print out my simplified tech tree and then have a good idea of how the sieve might play on land maps. It doesn't have any water stuff because I don't play water, but yeah. Nice. Well, that's amazing. And it's incredible that you built such a tool and that you're able to update it so often because we, we've been getting quite a bit of patches since the launch <laughs> of DE. And so what, what actually got you into Age of Empires? Like, uh, how, how long you have you been playing the game? Yeah, uh, I, I played back on Age of Kings even. Like, I had the CD back in the day. Well, I'm 29 years old, so I would have been, like, seven when it came out. Uh, so old enough to, to boot it up in the, in the CD on the computer. So, yeah, I, I mostly played Conquerors because I could... I could tell that Conquerors was better than Kings even back in the day. So yeah, I played Conquerors. Um, and my grandma actually used to play a little bit. So we were able to set up multiplayer, like me versus her. Uh, and she lived in like a different place. She lived in, I don't know, Alberta or something like that. So she was far away. So we would enter in the IP addresses and all that, get the game going. We only played a few times, but she would win every time. I was not on her level at all, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, other than that, it was really just I enjoyed the uh, base building and stuff like that. Like I've, I've just always enjoyed RTS. I even tried to play Brood War a little bit or, or like the original StarCraft. Um, I had a, 
a copy of that on CD. So I, I'd mostly play used map settings games, just basically like the custom games, um, you know, like instead of the base management, you just get a bunch of units and stuff like this. So yeah, RTS in general, I've always been interested in. And then I even got into StarCraft 2 for a while. Like I was playing competitive StarCraft 2 for about four or five years as well. So wow. I didn't play Age of Empires competitively until... Well, I mean, it's been like six years now, so not really recently, but I did play competitive StarCraft 2 as my first sort of competitive RTS. Whereas, I mean, I was playing AoE back in the day, but just for fun, just against AI or whatever, um, making custom scenarios, all this kind of fun stuff. Yeah, and actually, I even played a bit of Age of Empires 3 on Game Ranger uh, a while ago, like when I was also like 12, 13, 14, something like this, so... Yeah, and did, did you I, I find the game it. through like a friend, or did you saw it on a store, or like how did you? I don't it? even remember. I was like seven, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just had the CD for whatever yeah. reason, and it's just like you don't have a lot of stuff back then because it's like yeah. the early two thousands. So you just play what you have. So that's just what we had. <laughs> that's amazing, so, and the yeah. fact that you, you know you were able to play with your family member like that's a, that's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a lot. So what what got you into, well, I guess maybe this being competitive on StarCraft sort of gave you the idea that you could be competitive in AOE 2, or? Yeah, I just got bored with StarCraft 2 eventually, so I was like, okay, well, I already know how to play RTS, so what's what's the other good RTSs? And I was like, oh yeah, Age of Empires exists. So um, I, I already knew that Age of Empires 2 was better than all the other Age of Empires, because I've already played them all, so... Um, yeah, it was just a no-brainer. I just picked up Age of Empires HD on Steam, Age of Empires 2. And, I mean, I was like, okay, well, this doesn't really look any different. It's not really HD, but whatever. <laughs> it's got multiplayer, so let's play. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered about that. I mean, I've seen there's a couple of things that are a tiny bit better, like not that many bits. But uh, yeah. I was like, couldn't believe it was like HD? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, now that you're in the competitive scene, do you miss uh, playing for fun? Or do you ever still go back and just do like something that's not competitive? It's, it's definitely different. Once once you play competitively, your brain is just wired to always do things like really efficiently. And you're, you're just like always thinking about things. You, you can't really turn your brain off as easily while playing. So, yeah, I don't know if I miss it. It's better to be good than to be bad. But uh, it's, it's a bit of a different experience. Nice. I find sometimes if, if I've had too much of the uh, rank game or, or, or even playing against someone else, I'll sometimes just maybe try to play a campaign or something with a friend just to, you know, get my mind off the games that we played and then we go back into playing rank again. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like if I want to take a break from competitive, like uh, I'm just burnt out or whatever, I'll just go offline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do something else. Go for a run or something. Yeah, that, yeah, for sure. Um, so, as a creator or an entertaining like entertainer, have you found any challenges as you started till now? Like, was there anything that was complicated, or did you just find it naturally? Yeah, I mean, setting up the streams always been a little bit difficult for me, but it just takes, as with anything, it just takes a little bit of time to learn a little bit of the intricacies of how to set it all up. And well, my stream actually isn't all that complicated it's really just 
like a camera and a microphone and some very basic overlays, but not really. So yeah, my, my stream is nothing compared to uh, some, some of the bigger streamers that have, have all these fancy scenes and all this, but yeah, um, hmm, not, not too bad. It's been pretty smooth sailing. I mean, I just, I just release uh, the scripted content on YouTube. People like it. And then the stream, the live streams are completely different than the scripted content. So I, I kind of have these two, two completely different ways of watching my content. And yeah, I mean, they they both seem to be doing well. I worked retail for like, well, I'm technically still employed there. So like eight years. And then I worked in a restaurant before. So I've always been dealing with customers throughout like half my life. And so I've always been using my voice to to talk to people. And people here and there are like, oh, yeah, do you do radio and stuff like that? So uh, just the fact that I get these comments once in a while, I was like, OK, well, I could probably make it as a streamer. If people are like, oh, you have this radio voice, um, it gave me some confidence to even start the stream. And then, well, it's been pretty good. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, you're very articulate. You know, I, I think the, that helps a lot. People that are on audio, just being able to like pronounce every single word really good and in a good flow. So I, I find that good in your videos too. You know, it's it's very easy to watch. I find some other uh, creators might just load them a little bit too much with too much uh, wording uh, that might not be necessary. But yeah, I, really I like my videos. I think my videos have improved as well. If you go watch the older ones, sometimes I'm walk, uh, talking a little bit too fast, stuff like this. So it did take me about mm, maybe a year and a half to really figure out what I was doing with the content creation. Like the first year and a half, uh, for anybody who wants to start out, it, it's like you will get very few viewers. Like even for me, I was like 10 average viewers on, I streamed on Mixer. I, I was like 10 average viewers for the entire time I was there, 10 to 20. Uh, for what nine months 10 months or whatever and then I went over to twitch and then it was still low for a little while but yeah it took a while to build up the audience but if you have good content then you'll get there because <laughs> people want to watch good content yeah for sure yeah yeah for sure I, th I think uh for me at least um I mean I follow probably about 10 channels because it, it is hard to fo follow all of them all the pro players uh but I like to switch around between watching you or uh, people like Slam or MBL. Um, I, I find that it can be tiring to watch. I mean, Viper is great, but I feel like, uh, you know, it's tiring to watch him just be good at everything. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> want to see what it's like to have people struggle and, and, and be very competitive, right? So I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why at any level, this game is so fun because it's going to be competitive unless you're right at the top or right at the bottom you're going to have a competitive game and uh even even just casting or watching games from 1400 or whatever they can still be entertaining it's going to be a completely different meta down there but uh you know it's going to be competitive so uh, and that's what makes this game fun and that's why we're here is is for the the competition it's not necessarily a medieval battle simulator it's a competitive video game first so that's why we're here <laughs> when you played, I do. Um, well, now that you play so many games and so many years as a, comp a competitive player, do you feel relaxed when you're playing a, a tournament or a ranked game, or do you ever still feel like it's, you know, for me, I I, I still get shivers when I'm about to play a ranked game. I'm little nervous and shaky. Once I'm in the game, I kind of calm down a lot more, but uh, it, it can feel like that. How do you feel when you play your games? 
yeah, I've never really had that kind of stage fright for um, for ladder games because just ladder games don't really matter. Maybe if maybe I start to feel a little bit if I'm if I'm like super far ahead or I'm a little bit ahead and I've got an advantage against somebody like 400 elo ahead of me above me, then maybe I'm like, OK, I got to I got to um, make sure I don't make any mistakes here. Then it, it's a little bit uh, of pressure there. But most ranked games, it's just whatever. It's I'm just there to have fun. And tournaments, yeah, like when I started doing tournaments, I would feel that a little bit. But these days, I'm just super chill. So I don't know. Uh, I don't really feel too, too much pressure these days. It's just, I just have so many games under my belt that it's like, it's another game at this point. But, you know, if there's a lot of money on the line, then I, I guess I would. But I'm not quite at the level where I'm getting those stages where there's big money, so... Yeah, I don't really feel it too much. And usually when I do a show match for money, it's it's like the, the money's split. So it's not like it's all or nothing. So um, it, it makes it so that it's not as pressure as well. And for things like a show match, it's you're trying to m make a good show out of it. So you like you want to win because it's extra money, but you also want to give a good show to the audience. So, yeah, you're there also was, having fun. There was one game I watched uh, of you uh, with a friend a couple weeks ago. It was the uh, Red Bull qualifier. I think it was Red Bull 2 or Red Bull 3. You were playing Huang, and it was the decider game. And he was just making it so messy. With uh, He didn't get killed, so he got Franks. And I think you... I don't think you were Koreans, or I can't remember what your sib was. But you oh, was that the one that casted on uh, Land Nomad? Or Land, Land Madness? Land Madness. That was, yeah, yeah, that I... I'm pretty sure he was Celts or something, maybe. But I was Vikings in that game. Oh, yes. I remember that he one. He was he was Franks. He was Franks. You were yeah. Vikings. Okay, he was Franks then, and I was Vikings. But yes. uh, well, Vikings, and this was before they were even buffed. Uh, they still had extra HP on their pikemen and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, no, these messy games. This is this is where I shine. Is in these messy games where I can just boom in the corner, make pikemen, stuff like this. So, uh, yeah, Huang's gotten a lot better since then, though. He would not lose that game these days. But back then, he was really one trick. So <laughs> uh, if his siege push doesn't work or it doesn't kill me, then, yeah, uh, I had the the chance to, to get back in it. And nobody really knew who I was back then, too. So it was really <laughs> good. Like, people had heard of me. Even now, it's coming up, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, people kind of heard of me after that game because I knocked down Huang and... Like, Huang was never really good at tournaments or anything because he was really one trick back then. But still, knock, to knock down a big name and then to have it casted by T90, that, that really helped a lot. Um, I, I, yeah, think I think what people... was uh, really good about that game was the fact that you just kept expanding to different sides of the map where he couldn't find you. He he still found you in some areas and you couldn't, you couldn't tell where the game was going to go. To be honest, yeah. watching the whole game, there was so much pressure from him the whole game. And next thing you know, you just you keep stabilizing, you keep stabilizing, you keep stabilizing, and then, like you you actually won it. So that's why I was like, I cannot even start to think how like stressing that game what it must have been. I I think I might have been feeling it back then because this was like an earlier tournament. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is it's one one. There's one game left. If I can win this, I can get to the next stage. Um, and of course, beating a higher level player being Huang. So, and I knew that people were casting it too. So yeah, it, it was it was tough. But I built up like this is my play style though. I played thousands of games with Byzantines and their defensive sieve. They're the, like the only defensive sieve really. And 
well, the, the most defensive Civ. So I, it's really nurtured this kind of play style of just uh, defend and expand outwards, trying to be greedy in certain places. Uh, so yeah, th this was kind of the best possible situation for me though um, in that game. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I did get through him, and then I think I died, like, 3-0 to Jibitong in the next <laughs> round or something. So, I, no, did I take a... I might have taken a game off of him, actually. It might have been, like, a 3-1. But, anyways, that was a good tournament. Yeah, I mean, but you are a great player. You're in the... Well, with all the Smurf accounts, uh, your ELO right now is 21-53, and you've been 22-10. I don't know if that's yeah. updated, but uh, you're probably in the in the top 100 with all the Smurfs, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you can consider anybody who's, like, top 150 and below to be top 100. It depends on the day, because the ELO fluctuates a lot, too. So, yeah. Um, I, I would say that hovering around the bottom of the top 100 is, is what I would say. Not, like, 100% top 100, but I'm up there. Because there are, there are a lot of really great players in this game. So, yeah. <laughs> How often do you encounter, like, people on the ladder that are, like, just way above because of, you know, not everybody being online at the same time? Yeah, uh, it's pretty frequent. Yeah, not, I usually don't encounter people like MBL and uh, Slam and stuff like them. They're usually just too, too far up. Like, it will happen occasionally. It depends on when I'm playing. But, yeah, normally I'll encounter players that are like 2300 20 like low 2400 as well but 2300 I'll encounter pretty frequently and well these days most of my opponents have been 2200 2100 cuz that's kind of where I'm at right now so yeah uh but the the queue times are usually like 4 or 5 minutes for me so it's really great because I can play piano in between the queues mm -hmm. so it's like an entire tune but uh yeah it does take a little bit of time to get get a game sometimes but at least it's it's usually balanced so that's good. Nice, yeah. That's not bad. And so the piano, you just mentioned that I kind of have forgotten to ask you. How did you get into that? Uh, how was it? Uh, my parents liked to make me do a lot of different things when I was younger, just like uh, baseball and and uh, swimming and piano and all this stuff. It was just another thing that I would do on on the weekend or whatever. And we happened to have a professional pianist who lived like three doors down. So he taught me for the first year or so, and then he moved away. But I, I kind of have it. I had a good foundation, at least. Well, I could have learned from anyone. I didn't need to learn from this like pro, but uh, he taught me how to read sheet music and just like basics and stuff like that. And then I didn't really play for a while. But then I decided that I wanted to get more into music in high school. Actually, well, in middle school, I started to play the oboe, which is a woodwind instrument. Uh, it's kind of a fancy instrument. I don't know. Uh, and then I didn't really, I didn't really care too much. But, you know, I, I guess I was forced into band. But then it was really fun because we would go on a band trip. Every single year, we would go on a trip with the band for like a, a weekend or whatever. And that was a lot of fun. So I was like, okay, I'm going to continue with band just to go on this trip once a year. It was, uh, I was a simple-minded individual. That's all I needed. So in grade nine, I wasn't in the concert band. I stopped playing oboe, but I played the piano in the jazz band. So I played piano at that point, And then I kind of still didn't really care about it. But then I guess in grade 10, I joined the concert band and I was in the jazz band. And I was like, okay, yeah, music's kind of fun. 
compared to the rest of high school. So I'm just going to focus on music because I didn't really care too much about my studies, math class, social studies, all this stuff. It was like kind of boring. But then there was band and there was PE. So there was actually like some fun things to do at school. So it just kind of encouraged me to stay with band. And then playing the piano, I was like, okay, well, oboe, once I'm out of high school, this is going to be useless. Like it's, it's like a solo instrument. If I'm not going to join an orchestra or something like that, I can't really do anything with it. But piano, you can play solo piano and it's actually good. So I kind of made sure to continue to practice piano because I knew that it was still going to be a useful skill even after high school. Yeah, no, it definitely yeah. is, you know, like, uh, you can eventually get into that, too. Like, uh, well, yeah. maybe doing public shows or, I mean, you you kind of already do in your stream. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a public show. I, I have a pretty large audience compared to, to most people, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, I was thinking about, they, they actually put these public pianos in the summertime around the town. They, like, bring them out oh. from somewhere. I was thinking of just maybe showing up one day and just playing some piano in the park or whatever. I I think there's like five of them or something around town. So, yeah, I was thinking just, about doing uh, that sometime. Just just put on the the uh, eerie theme and see how many actual players show up. <laughs> yeah, true, true. That's a good idea. <laughs> Probably none because everybody will just be home. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Well, I have some uh, just uh, some flash questions. It's just like the kind of like a, the the last part of the podcast. I trying to come up with a name for it. I have thought about hand card questions, <laughs> just because they're a bit more like flash questions. Uh, but yeah, so which is your favorite mod to use in the game? Snowman at Arms. Yes, that's I've seen that a lot in your videos. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so yeah, much no, less intimidating. Else. Uh, yeah, uh, people always ask me about it as well. It's like, oh, what are these snowmen? <laughs> people who are new to the channel, and it's like, ah, it's just a, yeah, it's just a thing. I don't know. I just found they're, it randomly. Or? They're nice. Well, they, I think in 2020, the, it was like a Christmas event. You know how they do those events, the mod oh, events. Okay. It was like it was an actual Microsoft like Christmas yeah. event. It was an mod, official but mod. It, yeah, it was like the first good one that they released. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this, <laughs> and then awesome. it just kind of stuck. So yeah. And, uh, well, this one's easy. What's your favorite Civ? I think everybody knows by now. Byzantines. Byzantines. Number one. Yeah, definitely Byzantines. If you had to pick one after Byzantines, what would you pick? Spanish is pretty good, too. I, I do like that. Or Malay. Oh, Malay and Spanish might be tied. But, uh, yeah, they're both pretty pretty nice Civs. I like nice. them. And do you have any other favorite games? Mm, let's see not really recently i haven't really been playing too much uh there's a game on playstation 2 called romance of the three kingdoms 11 that's really fun i did play a lot of that it's like a single player game but if anybody knows romance of the three kingdoms it's like this chinese history historic uh novel or something i don't know anyways it, it's a lot of fun that's that's definitely up there. I also enjoy like the old Harvest Moon series, Story of Seasons these days, like those kind of just just chill farming simulator games. Those are those are kind of fun um, for non-competitive. But yeah, I guess Disgaea as well. It's another it's like a tactic style game. And I used to play a lot of Smite as well, actually. So Smite being like it's like a 
third person MOBA. So not it's kind of like League of Legends, but third person. So it hmm. it was a lot of fun as well to play with my friends in terms of other competitive games. But uh, yeah, awesome. And do you use multi queue or how do you go about selecting your buildings? Oh, uh, select all buildings. So basically, say that I have T. T will be select all archery ranges, and then control T will be to go to the range. So it's the same for, like, select all TCs, select all TCs on H, and then control H to go to uh, town center. So I have it like that. And then it's like I know two hotkeys in one because it's just pretty easy to to get wrap your uh, head around that one. So, yeah, yeah, select all is usually going to be better in general, like 99% of the time. Nice. Actually, when, when I was learning about that, uh, what I did for that, I, 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 I did select all. But just because when I was testing the other one, it was I found it a bit more difficult while you're like attacking to select, go back to your buildings. So I did select all, and I put up all my sort of other buildings into my in my numbers into my numlock on the right side. So like okay, one, okay. one is one is um, the barracks. Number two is uh, I think it's the stable. Number three is archery range. Uh, fourth is um, Siege Workshop and so on. I have like the castle, the monks. I can go to any of those buildings all on my right side. So I find it super easy to switch between eco and attack by just moving to yeah. the right. <laughs> like, like on the right side, but that, oh, but don't you have to take your hand off the mouse to do that? Or do you just like jump your left hand? I jump my left hand. Okay, okay. Well, then that, that actually works. Because actually the numpad makes sense because it's easy to, like you don't have to really look at it. You know where your fingers yeah, are I don't there. Even so. look at it, yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty smart. I, I use period and comma and, and like a few things on the right side of the keyboard. I just hit it with my thumb. So uh, like, actually, I just use the defaults like idle, idle villager and idle military for those two. But I don't use them too, too much. And the thumb seems to work pretty well for that. Uh, what was I going to mention? I can't remember. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Maybe it was a multi queue. Um and oh, uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah actually i will mention, um yeah back in the day there was no select all building that was a de thing so anybody who was playing hd and before there was no select all you had to you had to jump to your buildings so um, so that's why even a lot of pros will not use select all because they're just so used to it and and so actually another t another bit of advice for people is just because you see the pros doing it doesn't mean that's the best way to do it because some people are just stuck in the past. So use your brain and determine if um, the hockey your hockey setup is good for yourself. Just uh, don't don't just copy other people because likely other people aren't going to have an optimized setup. Like you can usually make their setup even better. So yeah, yeah, that's right. I I've, I used to watch a lot of NBL games just because I was helping him uh, manage his YouTube channel for a little bit and. Watching so many of his games, I could just see that. Like, he jumps building to building. Uh, but I, I can't do that. I, I tried, and I find it a lot more useful to select while I'm attacking so I don't have to lose uh, the view of where I am. And if I yeah. really want to go back to my town, I can just, you know, go to a certain building. Yeah, exactly. But back in the day, we had to jump through the buildings. I even started off doing that, and I had to switch over. So, yeah. Nice. And... If you had to pick a map, what would be your favorite map? Arabia. Arabia is just... Everybody likes Arabia. Well, not everybody, but 
generally people like Arabia. It's just the most balanced map. If I'm going to play a map for a really long time, many, many games, it's going to be Arabia. It's just a lot of fun. Nice. And I think that's it. I mean, do you have any questions for me? Ah, uh, nothing off the top of my <laughs> head. But uh, yeah, I do hope that you'll be able to get uh, more people for the interviews. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I think most of the community is super happy to do an interview. Just, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. And just being able to put these questions into words, it, it's really good because then when you get a lot of frequently asked questions and it's nice you can just be like okay we'll just go watch this video and it'll explain everything you're asking <laughs> stuff like that so yeah um yeah i don't really have any questions though i mean eventually we'll like to have if if the community does grow i would like to have a section where i can have people uh send questions ahead of the interviews so then i can give you fan questions um, yeah that's a really good idea yeah so maybe hopefully for the other seasons <laughs> It's always yeah. good to go back and maybe just completely talk about something something different. Uh, you know, it, it would be nice if, if, if there's a tournament you end up playing that you really had a good experience in and eventually you just want to talk about that or, you know, people who just want to talk about strategy. Uh, so I, I do find that there's an opportunity to repeat the same people but with completely different topics. There's always more to talk about. Yeah. Amazing. Well... Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I mean, hopefully we'll see you in another season. And I really appreciate the help. For sure. Yeah, it's been uh, really great being here. So yeah, cool. Thank you. That was such a fun interview. It was great to hear from Survivalist, to hear about his life experiences, his game knowledge and everything he does for the Age of Empires community. It was also great to have you here. We are looking forward to having more interviews with other pro players and other members of the community. And we really thank you for coming. We'll catch you in the next episode of AOE Legends. Have a good day. Bye.